Morning, Desert Hills family. Please take your Bibles this morning and turn with me to Ephesians chapter 3. We're going to be in Ephesians chapter 3 and starting at verse 14. And today we're going to talk about three essentials for a healthy church. I'm excited to be back in the pulpit here this morning. Uh, We had a, a family emphasis here over the last several weeks and concluded that emphasis with uh, uh, Bill Prater being with us, and he did a wonderful job. Also led us in our staff retreat on, uh, on Monday and uh, had a great time being taught and encouraged uh, through the Word of God by him, and so that was a great time. And then we rallied back here in the office and the staff, and we're excited about the upcoming week. I know many of you young people, how many of you get to go back to school this week? Any of you back to school? How many of you have children going back to school? All right. How many of you are excited for the kids to go back to school? All right. Some of you parents are raising both hands, right? Uh, You can't wait for that to happen, Uh, but I'm excited for our kids. Praying for a great year for all of our young people. Now, we hear a lot of talk these days about health, physical health, mental and emotional health, and in our circles, in the reference to the local church, spiritual health. Now, I did a cursory search wondering what others say are essentials for mental health, and I found these several things that were consistent. Um, We are to talk to others about our feelings. That's what several people said about having good mental and emotional health. Uh, Someone else said we're to eat well. Garbage in, garbage out, I guess the old expression goes, and you, you eat bad things, you feel bad, I guess. Mentally, you feel bad. Uh, We're to exercise. Obviously, we understand science says that when you exercise, your body releases chemicals and uh, these neurotransmitters that make you feel better about yourself when you exercise. We need to make steps to improve ourselves. We need to decide that we can't stay where we're at. We need to seek to improve ourselves, whether we seek a counselor, whether we uh, seek to get some uh, daily routine going or whatever that may be. Uh, We need to ask for help. Uh, Many people said we need to sleep properly and then we need to accept where we are in life. Those are some things that help to promote good emotional and mental health. Now, not all of those suggestions are from the Bible, but a lot of those are really good and they can help us if we're struggling emotionally and mentally. Then I did some research to find out what others say about maintaining good physical health, and I found that these things were consistent. We need to sleep the right amount. Now, that's a a common thing. I think you need to uh, go to bed probably at the same time every night if you can, or every day, however your, your sleep schedule works. You need to try to sleep the the same amount if you can. Now, I know that uh, years previous, I would sleep uh, four to five hours a night. Probably not enough sleep. And I've learned that if I sleep even five to six hours a night, I feel so much better. I wake up in the morning, I feel a little bit more refreshed. I'm not as crunchy. Amen? I, I, uh, I try to go bed at the same time, and it, it makes me feel better physically. Now, what, what, are they, what else do they say? We're ne- we need to eat well-balanced meals. Now, what I want to eat at times, like the other night, I was kind of a little bit, you know, a little bit low, and I said, uh, I want a burrito. So I got the biggest, the, 
the nastiest burrito I could get, a big California burrito with carne asada right in the middle of it and potatoes and uh, uh, cheese and uh, rice and beans and everything imaginable in that burrito. I wanted that burrito. And then I was a little low and I said, you know what, that's not enough. I want some ice cream. <laughs> that's probably not eating well. We need to, to eat a well-balanced diet if we want to maintain good health. We need to make time for physical activity. Exercise is a good thing. The Bible says bodily exercise profiteth little. It doesn't mean that it doesn't profit. It means it helps us. It's a good thing to have some exercise. We need to keep a healthy body weight. Uh, several people said we're not to smoke and chew and run with those that do. No, I didn't say that, but that not to smoke and chew. And then another study said uh, 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 limiting or avoiding alcohol. Obviously, if we're, uh, we're not drinking beer, we won't have a beer belly. Amen? I mean, that's not deep science, but that's uh, uh, some science. And this is what other people say. Now, our staff has worked exceedingly hard over the last two years to maintain healthy body weight, to eat right, and to exercise. In fact... Here are a few images we recently took while away at our staff retreat, encouraging everybody to remain fit and healthy. <laughs> Pastor Dom? Pastor Dom at it? Let's see who else we got up here. Pastor Matt? <laughs> Pastor Matt, who else we got up here? Pastor David! Wow, I didn't know that was underneath him leading singing today, right? Who else we got here? Pastor Caleb! Look at that. And then what else do we have up here? Uh, there we go. All right. <laughs> but seriously, the most important question of all is how do we maintain good spiritual health? How do we maintain good spiritual health? Or what are the essentials to help us to be healthy spiritually? Now, Paul, the apostle, was concerned for this. He was concerned for this for believers in general, and he was concerned for this specifically here in our text for the church at Ephesus. In fact, as Paul gives the essentials for a healthy Christian life in verses 16 through 21, we see his words are introduced as a prayer for these believers and for this church. Notice the text, verse 14. For this cause... I bow my knees unto the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. So he's, he's making mention that he's literally humbling his heart and he's literally bowing his knees and he's literally bowing his knees on behalf of these believers and this church, he goes on to say, of whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named. And then we understand that his prayer is for spiritual health. And then he lists these three essentials necessary in the text for a healthy Christian life and for a healthy church. And as we get into the text this morning, we notice that one of these essentials is that the church, as an essential, needs power. Notice verse 16, that he, God, would grant you, according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might by his Spirit in the inner man. Now, we all need to understand that before salvation, we were dead in our trespasses and sins, and that we have been made alive through Christ in salvation. 
Now with that being said, we are weak at best in our own strength. We do not have what it takes to get victory on our own over sin, the flesh, the world, and the devil. We don't have on our own what it takes to get victory over those things. We don't have the wherewithal. We don't have the intellect. We don't have the capacity. We do not have the strength. We need to be continually strengthened by the Holy Spirit of God in the inner man. We need to be continually emptied of ourselves, the flesh, and our desires so that we can be filled, completely controlled by His Spirit. In fact, here's what Paul says to the Corinthians in reference to this. He says, For which cause we faint not, though our outward man perish, yet the inward man is renewed day by day. Now, it's possible to be physically weak, to be battered by persecution, to be decimated by disease, to be advanced in years, but to be spiritually strong because we have been strengthened in the inner man by the Holy Spirit. You see, the Holy Spirit furnishes the strength that we need according not to our abilities or our knowledge, but notice what the text says, that He would grant you according to the riches of what? His glory. His glory. God wants to give us the ability according to His riches to tackle the things that we need to face in life. And we can be renewed on a daily basis as we feed on the Word of God and allow ourselves to be controlled by the Spirit of God. Now, our bodies may grow old and feeble, but we can grow stronger and stronger to face the challenges of life because we have the Holy Spirit who desires to fill us and to strengthen us in the inner man. Notice what the text goes on to say, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith. Now, there's something we all need to understand. Our capacity is strengthened because of God's riches so we can appropriate more of His life. Now, let me say that again. Our capacity is strengthened because of God's riches, His ability, so then that we can appropriate more of His life into everything that we do. Now, His life then fills us and enlarges our spiritual impact so we can have a greater capacity to serve Him. And then the work of God can continue. And then our families can be nurtured. And then we can have an impact on all the people that surround us because we're not doing what we're doing in our own strength. We're doing what we're doing as a vessel, as a conduit of God's power to be demonstrated to the world. Now, I have this morning a very scientific piece of equipment that I'm going to use for an illustration. This is an extension cord. You know what? It's nothing in and of itself. I can sit it here and, and is put it on the stage and I can say that it is a conduit for, for power, but unless I plug it into a wall, it's useless. But when I plug this into the wall and it goes into that socket and then I plug it into a piece of machinery that works by way of this conduit, then you can blow leaves, then you can vacuum carpets, then you can do all kinds of things. This is us. We're just a conduit. 
And as we empty ourselves of ourselves and allow God to fill us with His Spirit as we're plugged into the wall, we can then use that power that comes from God to then uh, have an effect, an impact on the world. We can get victory over sin. We can face the challenges of life. We can endure anything that you can endure because we're plugged in to the power. But we got to remember, we're just a conduit. Here's what Zechariah said. Zechariah was a prophet that was in existence when the children of Israel had come out of Babylon and they were intent on rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem. And as they were rebuilding the temple in Jerusalem, as they were building a building, the Holy Spirit of God came over Zechariah, and this is what Zechariah said unto the people. He says, not by might, nor by power, our own power, but by his Spirit, saith the Lord of hosts. In essence, Zechariah was saying, if you're going to build this building, if this building is going to glorify God, if this building is going to magnify Him, if this building is going to be a testimony that the Lord still has a covenant with the nation of Israel, if this building is to be a place where God is going to be worshipped again, and this building is ever going to come to fruition, it's not going to happen but for His Spirit. And you may think that you leading your family you can do on your own. You may think that you going to work and being a good testimony for Jesus Christ, you can do on your own. You may think that you being a good husband or wife or a son or daughter or whatever the situation is, you may think you can do that on your own, but it's not going to happen but by His Spirit. Paul's prayer for the church was that they would know and understand God's power. Secondly, another essential in his prayer for a healthy church is the church needs to experience love. The church needs to experience love. Notice verse 17, that Christ may dwell in your hearts by faith that ye, the church overall, ye, being rooted and grounded in love. I love these terms. The word rooted is an agricultural term. The word grounded is an architectural term. Now, like trees, we're to send roots down and out, comprehending and further understanding the love that has been demonstrated to us. And if we understand the love that has been demonstrated to us, we love him. Why? Because he first loved us. If we understand the love that has been demonstrated to us, we can then demonstrate that love to others. But until we understand what has been demonstrated to us, we cannot show it to others. I remember several years ago, probably almost 20-some years ago. Every year for many years, I go away and I plan my sermon calendar for the upcoming year. So recently, I went away and, and uh, I was in Michigan. I knew I was going to be in Michigan at the end of the trip because my dad was having a 
51-year retirement party, and I was going to be speaking in Grand Rapids on the 24th of July, and so um, got a ticket to go to Michigan, and I was going to stay somewhere, so I just decided to stay in western Michigan, and boy, western Michigan is beautiful, and if you don't understand this, Michigan is surrounded by something called the Great Lakes. And not only that, there are all kinds of rivers and lakes all throughout Michigan. It's not like Arizona at all. It's not. So I went up to western Michigan to a little town called Manistee, and I was planning my sermon calendar, and I was reminded of a time when I was by the Pacific Ocean at a little place called Cardiff-by-the-Sea, and I was sitting up on a, on a roof of this little bed-and-breakfast place, and I was doing my planning retreat 20-some years ago, and I came to the realization that there was nothing I could ever do that could cause God to love me anymore and there's nothing I could ever do that could cause God to love me any less. And I realized that God's love was unconditional. God's love was volitional. He decided to love me in spite of me. And God's love was without strings attached. And when I fully understood God's love, it allowed me to then really love like God has loved. But until I understood that, I didn't get it. And some of you might be in the same boat today. Some of you may not completely understand the love of God because your love is conditional. Your love is not volitional. You think your love is based on emotion. Well, there is love that's based on emotion. The love that God has is not based on emotion. God didn't look down at man and say, oh, look at him sinning. Look at him doing wrong. Look at him trespassing. Look at him killing and lying and stealing. Oh, I just love them. No. In spite of that, he was willing to give us his only begotten son. So here's Paul's prayer. That we would be rooted in love. And not only that, like buildings, our lives are to have deep, solid footings in love. Our love for God and our love for others ought to be unshakable. Unshakable. Uh, when we were building this building, I remember when the footings were dug, and I remember when all the rebar was laid, and we were building this little building back behind us, this addition. It's coming along. They set the trusses yesterday. And I saw them, I saw them dig the footings, and I saw them uh, uh, put the retaining wall that's a part of the building, and, and I, I looked at all the things that were involved in the construction. There's a bracket on every other uh, stud here and every other stud up above. I mean, we could have a class five hurricane here in Arizona. We know we won't. You gotta have water to have a hurricane. There's no water around here. But we could have a class five hurricane and this building at least the wood part of it would probably stay up unless it totally rips apart. I mean, the foundation here is solid. And our love is to be the same way. It's to be unshakable. And if it is, nothing can diminish the love we have for God and others, even when that love is spurned and not reciprocated. Now, Dr. J. Barnold, uh, J. Donald Barnhouse 
pointed out that all love is intrinsic to all the fruit of the Spirit listed in Galatians 5.22. Love, joy, peace, long-suffering, all of those things. Here's what he says. He said, love is the key. Joy is love singing. Peace is love resting. Long-suffering is love enduring. Kindness is love's touch. Goodness is love's character. Faithfulness is love's habit. Gentleness is love's self-forgetfulness. And self-control is love holding the reins. Notice what verse 18 says in our text, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. Our love is to be wide enough to extend to all men breadth. Just like the Bible says, for God so loved the world, that means absolutely everyone. And not only that, not only is our love to be wide enough, but our love is to be long enough to endure length. Like the Bible says, love, real biblical love, charity never faileth. I don't love you anymore. Well, you probably never loved them in the first place. Charity never faileth. And then we see something else. Our love is to be deep enough to reach the furthest sinner depth. As the Bible says, Jesus, he condescended to men of low estate. And the Bible says with Jesus that he became sin for us who knew no sin, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Our love is to be high enough so that it takes sinners to heaven height. And here's what the Bible says in Ephesians earlier in our study in chapter 2. It says, but God, who is rich in mercy for his great love, wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ and hath raised us up together and made us to sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus. In other words, God's love extends every way you can imagine, and this is the type of love that we're to demonstrate to everyone as well. Now, we need this. The church needs this, and something else, let me tell you this, the world needs this. Amen. The world needs this. A.W. Tozer said, because God is self-existent, his love has no beginning. Because God is eternal, his love can have no end. Because God is infinite, his love has no limit. Because God is holy, his love is the quintessence of all spotless purity. Because God is immense, his love is an incomprehensible, vast, bottomless, shoreless sea. Here's how Paul describes God's love to the Romans. He says, who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? Nay, in all of these things, we are more than conquerors through what? Him that loved us. And then he goes on to say, uh, For I am persuaded that neither death, uh, neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord, I want you to understand something. Nothing can ever separate you from God's love. There's nothing you can do to ever make God love you anymore. 
There's nothing you can do to ever make God love you any less. God loves because the Bible says God is love. Now, this love is to be viewed and comprehended by, the Bible says, all the saints. Notice what verse 18 says, that we may be able to comprehend with all the saints what is the breadth and the length and the depth and the height. In other words, as a church, as Christians, we are to make God's love the preoccupation of our minds. And if we do it together as a family of believers, uh, we will be too preoccupied to turn hate on one another, and instead we'll love like God loves. And notice what the text goes on to say, and to know the love of Christ which passeth knowledge. How can you know something that is beyond your knowledge to know, i.e. God's love? Here's how we know it. We know it as we experience it, and we know it as others experience it through us. Through us. We see one last essential for a healthy Christian life in church is the church needs to experience God. Notice what the text says, and to know the love of Christ, which passeth knowledge, that ye might be filled with the fullness of God. Now, what does it mean to be filled with the fullness of God? How can we be filled with the fullness by which God fills his very own self? Now, Colossians speaks of God's fullness in this term. It says in Colossians 1:19, for it pleased the Father that in him, speaking of Jesus, should all his fullness dwell. Colossians 2:9 says something similar. It says, For in him, speaking of Jesus, dwelleth all the fullness of the Godhead bodily, and you are complete in him, which is the head of all principality and power. Now, when I was gone recently in Michigan. I was uh, staying right on uh, the Manistee River in a little bed, uh, bed and breakfast Airbnb there on the Manistee River. And the Manistee River about, uh, oh, probably a half a mile or a mile down the way, about a 15-minute walk down the, uh, the one end of the Manistee River was Lake Michigan. And if you've never been to the Great Lakes before, you stand on the edge of the Great Lakes and you look across and you're not going to see the end of it whether it's Lake Superior, Lake Huron, uh, Lake Michigan, Lake Erie, uh, Lake Ontario. You're looking across the Great Lakes, and it's like you're looking across an ocean. And so I'm standing on the edge of the Great Lakes. We have a couple of pictures here, and these are some of the things I saw. Uh, this is right down uh, the street from where I was staying, a little lighthouse, a little uh, inlet, a little harbor there, a couple other pictures here. Oh, that was the golf course I got to golf. Uh, Arcadia Bluffs, right on the lake, one of the most beautiful golf courses in the western side of Michigan. Uh, that's uh, taken from Arcadia Bluffs as well. At sunset, here's another one. Beautiful, beautiful uh, sun going down. Now, as you look at the lake, you see the fullness of the lake. Now, if I wanted to fill my cup with the fullness of the lake, all I'd have to do is take my cup and dip it in the water. And then I would be filled with the fullness of the lake. Now I'd not be filled with all of the fullness of the lake because this vessel can only hold so much. But my cup would have been filled with the fullness of the lake. This is us. 
And here's the thing. This is us. The larger the vessel, the more we grow, the more we can be filled with the fullness of God. But you know what? Oftentimes, as we think of our lives, uh, we think of all the things that are in our lives. We think of sin that hold us down like a weight. We think of worries, and we all have a lot of them, a lot of them. All these worries, things that we worry about that will never happen, but we still worry about them because we're conditioned to think that we need to, to do something about it. We have uh, uh, relationship problems. We have spousal problems. We have kids' problems. I need more ping pong balls. <laughs> but we often fill our lives with these things. But you know what? God wants us to fill ourselves with his fullness. And as we fill ourselves with his fullness, here's what happens. Those other things get pushed out of our life. But we think we have to control it. I got to do something about this. I got to take care of this problem. I got to get victory over this sin. But we don't need the mental will necessarily. It's a good thing. What we need more is we need more of God's fullness. And we get more of his fullness, we're able to get rid of some of that other stuff. And so Paul's prayer for the church is that they would be filled with the fullness of God. You see, the thing is, we can never get enough of God. And the more we yield, the more we desire, the more we get. And we can never get in God's fullness. And so God uses Paul to exhort these believers towards God's power, towards God's love, and towards his fullness. But notice the text, verse 20. Now unto him that is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask or think according to the power that worketh in us, unto him be glory in the church by Christ Jesus throughout all ages, uh, world without end. Amen. Here's the point. God has the capacity to exceed our capacity for asking in reference to his power, in reference to his love, and reference to his fullness being exhibited in our lives. He is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and think in giving us every one of those essentials, power, love, and fullness. And God can help us face any situation in his power and his love and his fullness. And God can help us overcome any sin in his power and his love and his fullness. And God can help us restore any broken relationship in his power and his love in his fullness. And God can help us in every way exceedingly abundantly above all that we ask and that we think. There have been times in my life where I had no other place to turn but God. I couldn't make a phone call and call a friend or a parent and have them efficate on behalf of me in a given situation. But there have been times in my life when I have had no resource outside of God, where I've called upon him for his power, I've called upon him for his ability to love, and I've called upon him 
for his fullness, and I've seen him do exceeding abundantly above all that we ask and think. And there are others in this room that have the same testimony as well. But the greater question is, will we allow him? Will we allow ourselves to be a conduit of his power and of his love and of his fullness? There's one thing about having head knowledge, and there's another thing into putting it into practice. And my question to you this morning, if you're a believer, you have access to his power. You have to ask for it. You have to rely upon it. You have to understand it. You have an understanding of God's love. And the more you understand it, the more you can demonstrate it. And now, and if you didn't beforehand, you have an understanding of God's fullness. No, you can't be filled with all of God, but whatever your vessel is, whatever point you are in your Christian life, you can be filled then with the fullness of God. And all those other things can be pushed out. But as human beings, we often want to control everything that comes into our life. And God says, Christian, what will you do with what I have given you? And that was Paul's prayer for the church, that they would have spiritual health by God's power, his love, and his fullness. And that's my prayer for our church and myself, that I'd have God's power, his love, and his fullness exceeding abundantly above all that I can ask or think according to the power that God desires to work in me and in us. Let's all bow our heads and close our eyes this morning.